The Presently Podcast would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners of the land on which we record this episode. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and honour all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first people of this nation. Always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Welcome to the Presently Podcast, the show to remind you it's the moments that make up who we are. Episode 3, The Moment We Sang the Blues. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to the Presently Podcast. My name is Blair and I am the host of the show. I hope everyone had a really enjoyable break and sent last year off really well. And how crazy is it that we're here in 2024 together? Man, the years fly by quickly, you know, and I'm really feeling that at the moment. So coming back to being in the present moment and focusing on what's in front of me is a really important focus that I have. So since I haven't done it in a while, I thought I would start off this episode by asking myself the most crucial question of the show, which is presently, how am I? Right now, I'm feeling pretty relaxed um, and actually really motivated for the new year. You know, I've got some personal goals that I want to achieve, things I want to do to progress my life in different ways, in different directions. But I think I'm most looking forward to seeing how this show and my creative projects keep building this year. I had some amazing support last year encouraging me to launch the podcast and that was professionally and personally and now that it's finally here I can't wait to keep building it and see you know what actually happens with the consistent show so I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about for this new year. So yeah that's how I am presently in this moment but I'm most of all excited to share this episode with you as it's officially episode three of the show. Today we've got another guest who I know from way back in my teen years and my younger years and I've been observing her success and her creativity in the music space for the last couple of years now and I just thought how wonderful it would be to have a conversation with her about her craft and her experience and so I asked the wonderful Amelia Evans to come on the show and speak with me and we had an amazing conversation speaking about age of course and being in the mid-20s and her career and a couple of her milestones. She was really open about where her passion for music came from and we discussed how COVID impacted her own view of being a musician and kind of reinvigorated her in her craft moving out of the pandemic. So this discussion of being an artist and crafting something you're really passionate about and you care about is of such interest to me because I love observing different people's processes and their motivations and their fears and their anxieties and all of what comes with being an artist. So I'm so proud and so excited to be able to show you this episode and have the privilege of discussing Amelia's career and her motivations around her art and her craft. So please enjoy this episode. She's a wonderful human being with a lot of talent and a lot of important things to say. So here she is. Thank you. 
Welcome, Amelia. Hello. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this um, for a while now, so I'm very happy to be here. You're welcome. I'm so excited. So I think before we get into anything, something I like to ask every guest before we start the official show Mm -hmm. is presently, right now, in this moment, how are you? I'm good. I mean, I really am just figuring it all out at the moment, more so than ever. But I'm, 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 I'm all right. If I can <laughs> put it right. like that, I'm all right. You're I think okay. it's okay to say that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. okay. It's, it's okay to say whatever you want. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, how do we know each other? We go back, way back, way back. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's over ten years. It's, this is going to seem really left of centre for a lot of people. I feel like this is not something that people hear very often. I don't think so. But going back to my teen years, I was involved a lot in choirs, in the choral circles. It was, <laughs> it's um, a great space socially uh, and figuring out yourself. And we met in those circles. We did. Yeah, the, those years were some of like the most important of my life at least at the time it felt like you yeah. know I felt like they were very impactful and but since then since we both stopped choir it's probably been about yeah eight or nine years since I've actually seen you in person which, which is crazy wild yeah wild <laughs> so I I was so I was so grateful when um you reached out to me because it's yeah it's crazy how you can go so long eight nine years however long it's been mm. and when we briefly met the other day, um, it was like that time hadn't even happened. So, totally. you know, it's just a testament to who you are as a person, our friendship back in the day. So it's Thank really you. lovely to be sitting across from you and, and chatting. So something that we always do here on the show is we talk about age and mm. we are candid about it and we're honest and open um, right off the cuff. So right now at this point, how old are you and what year were you born? So, I'm freshly 26, and I was born in 1997. So, yeah, 26, baby. 26. Woohoo! <laughs> and how does it feel, being 26? Weirdly enough, I feel like this is the first time I've felt my age in a good way. That I feel like people use that phrase, and it seems mm. like it's, oh, I really feel my age. Yeah. But What does that mean for you? I think probably just in terms of how... I navigate my relationships, my work. I think 26 is really about staying true to what I need in every moment, if that makes sense. Definitely think once I turn 25 and then in my mid-20s, you kind of like, it might seem weird to say this, but there's like this whole conversation about the development of your frontal lobe and you're like, what's yep. going on in your brain? Yep. That I think 26, probably more so than 25, I feel like my frontal lobe is fully developed. Right. Yeah. So does that mean you're like smarter <laughs> or I you just, can like read I people's think, minds? What I, does it mean? No, I think it's um just how I'm processing things that come up in my life, trying to think about things in, I guess, in more of a logical way right. and just seeing everything for as it is and how it's going to play out. But I feel like a lot more in touch with what I want and who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's yeah. super important. Yeah. And what I think everyone 
what everyone searches for, but sometimes doesn't necessarily get. Mm. Or it takes them a long time to feel that way. Absolutely. I mean, next week I could probably be the opposite of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's still my birthday week. Like <laughs> You're still on the high glow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I honestly, give me a couple of weeks. I'll be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know who I am. Are you serious? But hey, at least your frontal lobe will be the same. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the scientific standpoint, we're all good. We're all good. Um, and I guess one more thing is... In your perspective right now, you've just freshly turned 26. What is the best thing about being 26? I think after a lot of self-reflection, which goes on at this point in your life, I think, you know, there is this whole conversation and so much, I guess, stigma around your 20s and, you know, these should be the best years of your life and Mm, you should be thriving. And Mm. But at the same time, you also need to be... (laughs) fulfilling all these things in order to achieve mm-hmm. what goals you you know you want mm-hmm. to achieve job wise mm-hmm. relationship wise mm-hmm. you know Constantly all of that good stuff and succeeding mm-hmm. but also being free and fun but also knowing end of everything and not feeling lost ever exactly <laughs> so you just you just took the words right out of my mouth mm-hmm. and um that's all there but then i think there's also that like like i'm saying this freeing kind of feeling of going Honestly, I don't know very many 20-year-olds or people in their mid-20s heading into their 30s that actually have a full understanding of what's going on or what's <laughs> going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe the best part of 26 is that, mm. oh, it's so scary. It's so <laughs> scary. But I've never felt more myself and more in control of everything, but also not at the same time. No, I think all of that makes a lot of sense and it sounds like you have really grown a lot through your experiences and are becoming perhaps more accepting about Mm. your position in your life and wanting to really embrace that person and nourish that person more and more every day. You know, we don't know what – I don't think anyone can reach the ultimate – peak of happiness and that's not consistent that doesn't stay there but I definitely think you can do things to cut yourself some slack and make you I guess acknowledge those moments of happiness Mm. a bit uh, you know more often Mm, me too so you're a musician Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I like to like to say so. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, what kind of musician would you classify yourself as? Well, I primarily am employed as a jazz musician. So I would say that I'm in the jazz art form when it comes to being a musician. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting art form to be in mm. in the day that we're living in. Mm. Um, I guess jazz itself really defines kind of a period of time and I guess today, being a jazz musician, I would identify it more as being like an improvising musician, if that makes sense. Okay. So I'm not particularly playing the same music that, you know, was being played in the 20s, 30s, 40s. Mm. But I'm still kind of taking on the whole, I guess, vessel of expression that jazz offers being improvisation yeah like it's Um, new every time yeah yeah and I think having that evolving conversation with people on the bandstand and 
the the idea of everything is in the moment. Did you always know that you wanted to be a musician? Yeah, I guess for me, I don't remember a time where I wanted to do something other than music. Wow. A lot of it comes from the fact that I have been extremely fortunate to grow up in a family filled with musicians. Okay. Um, and have always kind of had circles around me of people that are creative or artists or really are just in touch with that part of their life. So so it sounds like there was quite a lot of acceptance around music mm. and artistry and yeah. creating. I mean, yeah, it's interesting, like, especially when I was going through, like, secondary school and heading to uni, it was interesting to hear from a lot of my friends and colleagues and you know their kind of stories with their parents and their families and kind of that lack of acceptance Mm. when it comes to them wanting to pursuing art and I guess being living in a family where that kind of didn't really exist I was kind of oblivious to that for for quite some time and then obviously when you start going to school and meeting other people and just like the world in general and yes. like you know seeing where support is government wise or you know just society and, and how they support art and all of that you start to see um, how it's viewed so mm. a lot of the beginning the, the early days of me wanting to be a musician were because of my family 100% wow mm. great and then did you get the support in those school and university spaces? I mean, it's interesting when you head to an institution mm. to study art. Any kind of, I guess, I guess, facet of being creative, you know, it's it's a subjective art form. We're there to express ourselves as well. So it's definitely a challenge going into a space where someone's trying to tell you what they think you should do yes. and how you should sound yes. and what you should say based on their subjective beliefs and, and what they've been through in their life. It's just, you know, it's kind of, um, it can be very confusing, I think. Okay. I have no ill will towards anyone, but there were definitely moments where, which is very natural in your kind of journey as a musician to have some voices where you feel like you're kind of not being supported in the way that you feel that you should or could be. So I definitely had that kind of mentality from early on where I was like, I'm going to go out there and get what I need to get. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard Mm. and I'm going to cry a lot probably. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, can put up with it. And I've got to say that's definitely comes down to my mom and my dad and how they instilled in that instilled that in me from a young age of, you know, you're going to come across some people that are going to have some things to say about what you're doing, mm. but as long as you're you stay true to what you need and who you are, then everything else will come. Mm. So, we talked about how you came into being a musician, where your drive came from, where your support came from, and a little bit of the challenges that you had to come across in those institution spaces, mm. but more so in terms of your overarching career so far, what have been some of your milestones? I would say one of my greatest achievements. <laughs> so far. So far mm-hmm. would definitely be releasing my debut album in 2019 but I think yeah the beauty of an album is it's like a snapshot of time in your life okay 
you know, as musicians, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to, you know, make an album more than once or at least record with other people and have multiple snapshots. And at the time, I felt like I wasn't ready to put that album out. I felt like it was quite, it happened quite quickly. Okay. How, um, how old were you at the time? When I recorded it, we recorded it in 2018. So I was 20. That's yeah, so quite 20 young. years old. And 20, yeah. Yeah, and I found out that I was given the opportunity to record an album when I was in my second year of uni and I was 19. I was really, I mean, this is another milestone, but mm. I was so fortunate to be involved with the Generations in Jazz Festival um, in my first two years of uni. And okay. it was a competition and, you know, competitions are already quite strange for musicians and creating art. I ended up just getting up on stage and singing from the heart and it was not about winning anything, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, you weren't um, there to win, you yeah, were just there to experience. Yeah, exactly. So sure. I won that competition in 2017. Well done. <laughs> so you. as a 19-year-old. Yeah, I was. it wow. was like in May of that year. So I was, I'd was. i only been at uni for like a year and a half. I was halfway through second year. But I think I'd right. always um, envisioned, oh, I'll leave uni you know, I'll be a working musician, I'll write a bunch of music and I'll be able to like, you know, express who I am to the world quite late, I guess like maybe 24, 25. Right. Um, Quote unquote, yeah. late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we just you have to me. clock those you moments in the show uh, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite yeah. late. Well, for a debut <laughs> album. But I was like, for me personally, that's where I'd seen it happening. Mm, okay. And so when it was like 1920, mm. I was like, Whoa, like this is this is huge and it was very overwhelming um what was overwhelming about it there was this i don't want to say demand but I, there was this moment where i was like i had to organize an album within like i think i had a year to record an wow. album so this was actually i totally missed this but i won this competition and i was offered a recording contract with abc jazz so wow yeah one of the most incredible experiences but i was basically sent in you're like you've got a year to okay. basically do this so that was kind of i guess where the expectation and the demand where i was like i need to get an album together i need to book the musicians i need to rehearse we need to get into the studio and that's like a lengthy process so Definitely. it felt like the whole process was like a year and a half, yeah. really, Yeah, from start to finish, which I was doing whilst I was at uni. I was going to say that's a lot yeah. to juggle with also being at uni and then just being a young person figuring out life in mm. general yeah. as well. And also trying to, you know, get to know yourself even more to express yourself to make sure that you know what you want to say when you express yourself in your music. Exactly. Yeah. That's a lot. Really? That's it a is, lot. It is. So I'm looking at looking back on it now. <laughs> that's probably one of the biggest achievements because uh yeah, I can see kind of where I've grown from that and I guess going back to that acceptance thing, I've accepted where I was at that point in time and how wonderful it was to come out with something like that despite thinking that oh, I need this to be perfect. So I guess accepting it for that, this is a snapshot in time. I'm showing where I was when I was 20 years old. So talking about all of these wonderful milestones that are just at the start of your career, so who mm. knows what you're going to do in the decades and decades to come. 
Did you experience getting to a point thus far in your career where you're like, yep, I finally made it as a musician and no one can fight me on it? <laughs> Not that they would. I was but. trying to hold that back the entire time you were saying that. <laughs> was there a moment where I went, this is it. Mm. I'm a musician. Okay, this is really strange. Because going to uni and, and, and studying music, I left with a piece of paper. I mean, essentially you could say that you're a musician now. As much as like that's definitely not what that was for me, I think there was just that natural feeling of once I left uni, once I finished four years, I was like, okay, now I have more time to consistently perform, compose, record, that kind of thing, Mm. rather than it being four or five days a week at uni. Sure. Following what people want me to do. Obviously, we uh, went into a worldwide pandemic um, the year after. We sure did. That was quite a challenging time of going, okay, now I've done my four years of study. Mm. I'm now a casual musician at this point. And then, oh, now you can't actually perform to audiences. So that's a bit hard. Absolutely. So, you know. Yeah, I think that was kind of the the point for me. And despite that coming in and not being able to perform, I still felt like I was a musician, Mm. I guess. Mm. Well, that's really good and Mm. interesting because I remember having coffee together a couple of weeks ago and you were saying that COVID was very impactful for you in how you saw yourself as Mm. a musician. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about what changed for you during the pandemic? Yeah. Obviously, the pandemic was a really hard time for a lot of people. But I guess as, you know, reflecting on what happened, I definitely think that it was important for me at that point in my life to kind of come to terms with reconnecting with my love for music and creating and performing. And I see that break that we had as really beneficial to my career and where I am today obviously had a lot of other impacts but I kind of see the the positive aspects as really integral to the trajectory of my career that pause that initial lockdown was literally a moment for me to not make music and totally separate myself from that and of course it's a natural thing when you stop doing something that you've loved for a majority of your life yeah that you start to reconnect with the reasons why, like the original reasons why you loved doing what you, what you were doing. Yeah. So I think 2020 was so integral to me coming back to a place of doing music for all the right reasons, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, COVID obviously changed everybody. And I think a lot of people got a break from different parts of their lives, which they never expected to. And sometimes that had, positive effects and sometimes it didn't Mm. so it's interesting to hear how much the pandemic impacted you in terms of your career Mm. when it all fell away and the pressure and the Mm. performances and the expectation of other people fell away it's interesting that still at the core of who you are you wanted to make music and you wanted to sing Mm. and clearly that's never faded away I guess personally, I just, I know I can create art in the the most comfortable and honest and genuine way possible is when I'm not paying attention to all of that. Stepping away from, I guess, all of what we've talked about 
in terms of your career and your art and how you see yourself. You mentioned just before we started recording that being a separate person to what you do Mm. is really important. Mm -hmm. Do you feel this way? And how have you navigated yourself through that thinking? Yeah. Um, Here in this country and the society we live in, we are often made to feel like our job is everything. There's also that aspect of like, if you're doing something that isn't everything to you and it isn't your dream and then you're also not doing it right. I feel like when you're having to have these side hustles and things on the go in order to live in the world we do Mm. and to support yourself and to support your art, Mm. it can be easy to... Well, at least I've sometimes noticed myself kind of downgrading my position as a musician and like how connected I am to it because I I guess I've always felt that unless you're doing it and everything you're doing is related to that one job, then you're clearly not doing it to the extent that you can or could be or whatever. Working through that and realizing that that's not a thing Mm. and that I can be a musician, but I can also have a job in a completely different area separate to it. But also it was hard to get there because of the mentality of you are your job. Anything can happen that can affect your job. I mean, it did for musicians. It did for artists. We weren't able to play for two years, essentially, here in Melbourne. For sure. So if you're not able to do what you feel like you were born to do or want to do with your life, Mm. if that's intrinsically linked to your self-worth, your self-esteem. That's a big one. These, you know, I think it's, it's a... A very very natural thing for people to connect those two things together which can be really detrimental even people that I I look up to that have been in this you know industry for years have had changes in their life and in their goals and their career I'm sure at times they might have it might have been linked to who they are but I don't think they would be as successful as they are if they were taking every kind of like artistic failure to heart like it was Mm. affecting how they saw themselves you know what I mean yeah because at least from my experience when I was linking you know the fact that this certain amount of people came to a show or someone didn't like my album or something like that and then that made me think oh I'm less of a person for it yeah it's not helpful in any kind of way it's not going to actually allow you to progress with your art in any way who do you consider yourself to be separate from your music the way I see myself now is that I love a life that's quite carefree I love so much of my life that doesn't involve me being on stage it's my friends it's my family it's going to my favorite coffee shop it's the traveling it's I think if anything over the last couple of years I've wanted to really make an effort of taking note of the things I love, being aware of that and acknowledging it and recognizing it and making a conscious effort of bringing more of that into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's helping me with like finding this person that I am outside of music but of course music I love music it's it's you know know. I live and breathe music Mm -hmm. and I think maybe it's just also making that mental disconnect where it's like the music I listen to the gigs I go see 
the books I read, the films I watch, I think is quite separate to what I'm employed for as being a jazz musician. Yeah. So I think that's already like saying a wealth in that it is also separate. So you were telling me when we caught up for coffee a couple of weeks ago that you're in a bit of a crossroads at the moment when it comes to your career. What exactly did you mean um, when you said this? Well, uh, as I guess literally as possible, I realised that um, my career path and, and my original goals, it was looking like that was changing. And I think it was definitely a natural process of stepping into new spaces professionally and trialing the different kind of roles that a musician can take on. And I think for a long time, I wanted to continue my studies, which were put on hold because of COVID. So I've had years where I haven't been studying, which was hard because I think I told a lot of people about those next steps that I wanted to do, especially like my parents and them knowing that these are the next steps that you wanted to take towards, I guess, like further study, doing like master's, PhD, Mm. you know, teaching, hoping to like eventually teach at like, you know, a tertiary institution. And I've just recently realized that maybe that's not what I want to do. And I, I should actually also note that that's, I mean, this all fluctuates. Like this is an ever evolving stream of consciousness and thought that I in a couple of years I could go back to that and be like no that's actually what I want I think there's a lot of negative like negative kind of associations with going through something like this especially Mm. with they're like you should know what you're doing at all times and everything you do every day should be leading up to this thing that you're going to achieve so I think that's why I was like I'm freaking out I'm having a crisis yeah well well done on acknowledging (laughs) You're where you're at at the moment yeah. and moving through this time of transition, I think. Mm. It's really great and being able to regroup on why you love music in COVID. Mm. Now is another time of regrouping where you can look at all of the decisions you've made up until this point mm. and be confident with what you've done and then moving forward. What next would I like to do? And I'm not going to judge myself with what naturally comes up is the answer. Mm, Yeah. So that's really exciting. Linking this topic of age that we've talked about and then this beautiful rounded topic of music and the music industry and art, in your experience when it comes to being a jazz musician, Mm. right, an improvised musician, which is such a wonderful title, is there a preferred age, even though it might sound like an odd question, is there Mm. a preferred age when it comes to jazz and how does aging as a process affect your jazz career do you think yeah it's interesting because I think with the music industry in general I think it's easy to to identify that aging is very much at the forefront of people's minds but I think when it comes to jazz I don't think there is necessarily a preferred age I'd I can't say that someone's like, this is the area in your life where you're going to like really be successful as a jazz musician. But I, I will, I would also be lying if I said that I haven't felt the 
um, impacts of people perceiving, I guess, my success based on my age or like as a woman, especially. I think that's also like a different conversation. I do know that there's this mentality of like, you're being recognized for your ability. Like that's incredible. You're doing well, but also you're so young. And so it was, of course, like I felt great about it. Like it really did validate me in a lot of ways. Yeah. But then the, the, the thing is like now I'm 26, I'm no longer seen as young as I was when I was 19, 20. So I see performers, especially vocalists that are now kind of the up and coming new musicians on the scene that will be going through those, you know, the competitions or the grants or the things that just are recognizing them. You'll see it like written down or said or whatever. That's like, they're only 20 and they're only 21. Right. It's like, well, okay, when I get to 28, are you going to, you know, are you going to be like, she's only 28? No, they're not. Of course. You know? But that recognition of the early achiever Mm. is is highly sought after and then recognized. Yeah, yep. So in your opinion, artists and musicians in the jazz space don't necessarily age in or age out of the space. It's more fluid? Well aging into the space I definitely think that that can occur in some aspects of like just being in an art form where you really are required to practice and work hard for many many years for many many hours like you're not going to be able to get up on that stage and perform to the ability of someone that's been doing it for 40 years you might look at someone's career and be like that album that they released after they've gone through all these intense, you know, periods of their life, Mm. that album that they created in comparison to their first album, Mm. you know, that is like their magnum opus. Like that is, you know, the real stuff. Mm. And so aging into that is like, that's where that's come from. Right. And I think being in jazz, we're, you know, really like, this is an old form of music. And like, it makes sense that, those that have the experience that have been doing it for many years are usually the ones that are like so well versed and incredible what they do it's really cool how in this particular industry in this particular art form age is respected Mm. and it is recognized with experience and technique Mm. and having the ability to mold and shape art Mm. easier and easier with time you don't you don't become less capable mm. or less valuable. You just become more knowledgeable and people look up to you mm. more. It would, would that, is that kind yeah, of the I, case? 100%. And I think it really is that recognition of it comes with a wealth of experience. It's like that, you know, kind of when you're starting out in jazz or music or anything like that, I think a lot of people end up with mentors and people that they look up to. And usually they might just be older. And it's so, so important to like, have that expertise and I was going to say yeah so from so many different ages to would, be honest yeah would that be one of your bigger pieces of advice for anyone at any age or any stage wanting to enter the jazz space to seek out that mentorship and that leadership mm, uh, 100% yeah I think a lot of it would involve some kind of like teaching or education so actually me becoming better at what I do as a vocalist Mm. technically musically that's really been 
um, nurtured by those mentors. And then there's also the other part of it, which I think came to me later. You have someone that has seen it, they've done it, they've had a, a wealth of different experiences and it's just advice. And I was able to go to them and be like, I'm worried about this, this and this mm. and what will happen when I do this. And mm. they're like, well, let me tell you, like that's going to happen and these are the things that might come from that. But you're able to do what you do and you're a musician and, you know, you're incredible at what you do. And it's just kind of like, I think it's important to have those kind of cheerleaders in your life. How beneficial is it to have those cheerleaders and those vessels of support Mm. that are in the industry and have been in the industry for a long time and so it's not as removed as, say, your family and friends Mm. who love and support you but don't necessarily know the ins and outs of what you're trying to do Mm. versus a mentor and an artist themselves who've been through so many experiences and are there to support you as an artist in your career Mm. as well. So I guess for you in your career, moving through coming out of school and establishing yourself as a musician, Mm. what was the biggest roadblock that you think you overcame when you were younger to help you become the musician that you are now? Ultimately, I think the biggest roadblock for me was myself. If I think about the points in my career where I genuinely thought I wasn't going to be able to continue doing what I wanted to do, it was because of me and my fear of failure, essentially, I think. Yeah, which I think a lot of us have Yeah, in these areas of life that we really care about. So... How did you overcome that roadblock? Ultimately, like, I had to go, I have to only think about myself in this situation and not allow what other people think of me and expectation and pressures and fears stop me from doing what I want to do. Because there was a, there was a period where I, I actually was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, As in like you can't pursue make this anymore. career. Yeah, because I wow. was so um, fixated on what people thought of me and what was the next step that I should take in my career. And from what I'd seen with other people that had also kind of been in the same footsteps as me prior to me achieving those things, mm. I was like, okay, well, what were they doing next? And it was constantly like this. Yeah, it was. it was – it wasn't just in my head. I think people were – were like, well, what are you going to do next? Are you going to go overseas? Are you going to do blah, blah, blah? Like, when's the next album? You know, all of that. But that all ultimately came to a point of, like, I was just very anxious Mm. constantly. Mm. And so when that anxiety is linked to me performing and, like, doing my job as a musician, Mm. like that, yeah, everything else I was fine and then it would be that – it would be, like, a trigger point for me. And I was like – what like how am I supposed to get up and sing (laughs) Mm. and do all of this from a point of anxiety yeah and not actually believing in what I was doing or saying yeah so you were able to move through all of that and move past that anxiety to a place of acceptance I think that's where it comes into what we're saying before about COVID time is time off is great and ultimately it like allowed me to recognize at the core why it was that I loved what I was doing and why I was doing it well that's that's really great advice because I feel like we're not given permission Mm. 
with no. anything to take a break mm-hmm. or take some space to have some time off of one thing doesn't necessarily mean you stop altogether. No. It just means you give yourself space and a bit of air mm. to observe yourself and then mm. observe that aspect of your life and recognize feelings that come up, whether that is relief. Oh my gosh, mm. that thing was taking up so much of my time and energy and stress and I'm better for not doing it. Mm. Or what you experienced, which was, I really miss that thing. Mm. And that's a part of me and a part of my heart and my soul. And I know that that's what I need to do with my life. Mm. Or one of the big things that I need to do with my life. How am I going to do that in a way that is joyful and enjoyable and not creating unhealthy amounts of anxiety and stress? Mm. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. As a muso, for anyone that's new to music or new to jazz in particular, do you have any recommendations for albums, musicians, songs that people can listen to that Mm. can really get into jazz? Well, this is interesting because as a jazz musician, I don't actually listen to a lot of jazz, <laughs> which is interesting. That is interesting. And yeah. I, I do come th- I come across this quite often with a lot of the people I play with. Like mm. we've all got a lot of different interests in terms of different genres and and I think when I was um when I was studying, like I was obsessed with a lot of the jazz greats and that's just a very natural thing when you're like learning and starting out like you're really honed in on what they do so I mean if you're new to the jazz idiom there are the greats that you should check out Ella Fitzgerald is you know the key Sarah Vaughan my favorite jazz vocalist of all time is probably Kurt Elling who he's um still composing and recording and releasing some of the most incredible recordings that I've heard in my life but he's an incredible live performer his stagecraft is insane I think that's what I've always like admired about a lot of some of these you know greatest jazz vocalists of all time is that their vocals are one thing and they're effortless Mm. but then when you see them up on stage or if you've seen a video or whatever from you know previous years of them performing Mm. it's it's like they're it's like they're flying like it's it's an art in itself to be able to get up on stage and make everyone feel comfortable and and like you what you were doing is easy. And every time I've seen Kurt perform and he was recently in Melbourne, it's just yeah, he makes it look like it's second nature to him. Yeah. I mean there's so many of the greats, obviously, you know, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, some musicians that I love now like Pat Metheny the late great Charlie Hayden, amazing bass player. Some of my like encapsulating some of the most important people in kind of my journey, Kurt Elling's one of them, but some of the most amazing voices like Karen Carpenter. I think she's got one of the most satisfying voices ever. Like it it just scratches (laughs) all the parts of my brain, but the most effortless vocalist as well. Sure. So obviously Karen and the Carpenters in general, yep. Joni Mitchell, who's yes, someone that I, so I honestly have only 
really come to in the last, I would say, five or so years. Okay. I, I definitely think there's also that whole incredible thing with vocalists or songwriters or bands that I might have listened to when I was younger and I I did not get it whatsoever. I was like, sure. what is what why do people love this music or like these bands? <laughs> sure. And then I've come to them now and this is the beauty of like singers and songwriters and lyrics and yeah. storytelling. You come to that at a different point in your life and you're like, "Oh, yeah, I get it." I get it. Yeah. And I probably 20, 30 years from now, it's going to be completely different. And so that's why, yeah, coming to Journey recently um, has just made a lot more sense in my life. And that also is the same for Stevie Wonder, who, I mean, like, I've definitely listened to him my entire life, mm. but I've come to really admire and appreciate his approach to melody and harmony and his songwriting. But other than that, favorite, like, bands and musicians and bands, like, I love Radiohead. I love Tom York, the Beach Boys, and Brian Wilson. I mean, he's just iconic. Mm. One of the 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 greatest songwriters of all time. Um, Nick Drake was someone else I had on my list, who's a very unique vocalist. He was always, you know, a lot of his records were him and the guitar. And um, he had a very tragic end to his life. And it's just like Mm. also reflecting on what he put into the world before that is just, you know, takes on a whole different um, meaning as well. So there's some of the, you know, people that I look up to. I listen to a, yeah, like more, more so today. I'm like really into like pop music and kind of more like alternative. And honestly, like, with me talking a lot about the songwriting and the storytelling, I think right now I'm gravitating to music that's like the music production is really complex. Well, great. Thank you so much for all those recommendations. I have listened to a few of them a lot and then Mm. a a lot of them I've obviously heard of Mm. and listened to a little bit, but, you know, to hear your perspective of the craft and the talent there Mm. and the emotion around the music mm. that just makes me want to listen to them more so oh, i'm so glad yeah. yeah so any any listeners who want to just get into music mm. more in general and mm. see what amelia thinks is real talent and craft and perspective mm. have a listen and i definitely know i will be <laughs> okay so one final question i wanted to ask you before we kind of wrap up the show, which is a bit sad. Do you think there are uh, any unfair stereotypes about jazz, unfair stereotypes about the people that make jazz, listen to jazz, um, that just aren't true in your experience? When I think about this, I think about what I've experienced in terms of people from outside of what I do have like imparted on me. So it's not necessarily like within the circles that I'm in, like musician to musician. I think this is something that a lot of us have to deal with. And it's like, I definitely think there's this overarching like perception of what, what people think jazz is. And I think a lot of it is just quite false, but also it's just not very open. And, and those people that might suggest that it's this a lot of it is you know the 30s and 40s that kind of crooner old swing era that golden age kind of idea 
of what jazz was. And so I think there, there might be a tendency for people to overlook everything that jazz is today and the music that's created. Because a lot of the music, especially in like Australian jazz and the jazz scene here in this country, is not that swing, like 30s, 40s, that kind of crooner era, that Frank Sinatra, which is all incredible. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think people can it's sometimes not- overlook what's going on and what's the what the conversation is today. Well, yeah. I, I guess... I guess that makes sense mm. because I think we have maybe a very simplistic, stereotypical mm. view that jazz is just elevator music. That's a hundred percent it. Okay. And that's and I have friends that like refer like they kind of like downgrade, I guess, what I do because they see mm. it that way. Yeah, as that kind of like background music, that elevator music a very simplistic kind of view of what jazz is when Mm. it's like, this is an art form that came out of oppression and not being able to express yourself. So when people kind of have that kind of simplistic view to it, I think that's kind of what annoys me sometimes. That's totally fair because it is, you know, either consciously or unconsciously downgrading your whole craft Mm. and what you're trying to improve on and aim for all the time. Mm. Would you say there are any stereotypes about the type of people that listen to jazz? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny that we're, you know, this podcast is all about age. It's definitely a lot of people assume that the people that are listening to jazz mm. are in the older demographic, that they are older and that they're still kind of like holding on to what they might have listened to when they were younger and that there's there aren't a lot of younger people coming up that are also listening to jazz, which is just not true. It really isn't. Like, Mm. I think people just aren't aware. Like, obviously, it's different to – it's not mainstream and all of that. But to think about the fact that there's still people actively going to do a course to study jazz. Yeah. You know? Like, to become jazz musicians, Mm -hmm. ultimately. Mm Mm-hmm. It hasn't gone away, you know? Yeah. You've still got young people, people of all ages – um, investing their time in this art. So, yeah, I think there is that bit of that stereotype where they think it's, oh, it's my, my grandparents that yeah. listen to it, you know, sure. popping on the, the records, that kind of thing. Sure. It's so wonderful to hear from a young jazz musician that young people love jazz mm. and they're interested in jazz and mm. are studying it and want to, I guess, carry it forward mm. from where it originally came from and how it arose mm. to this more modern space where we're still valuing how it came about, mm. but then we're also putting a new perspective and a new modern twist mm. on this wonderful art form. Exactly. Okay, so as a little plug to you, because you are a working, wonderful musician currently, for any slash all the listeners that are going to look you up and listen to your music and hopefully go see you if you're having mm. any shows, where can we go to listen to your music? Yes, so I am active on all social media bits and pieces. You can find me at Amelia Evans. And um, <clears throat> if you would like to listen to my music, I am on Spotify. She is like, I can confirm <laughs> she's on Spotify. Uh, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. But you can listen to uh, my debut album, the first song. Um, you can listen to that album in full on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp as well. If you'd like to support me personally, um, you can purchase the physical and digital 
album on Bandcamp. Um, I do also have a website. If you do just need a, a big space to be like, where can I find all of this? You Great. can go to ameliaevansmusic.com. And I can totally attest to your talent and your passion and your creativity that your music is just wonderful and anything thank else you. you want to release I will be the first to listen to. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And speaking of upcoming releases. Sure. It has been quite a few years since my previous album. Yeah, you said 2019. 2019. Right? So 2024 we are hoping for a release in 2024 of my next album. Woo-hoo! And that's with my new band who I love and adore. And we've been working on a few different projects together. So keep an eye out for that. But if you would like to see me and my band, we do have a few shows um, coming up in the new year. Specifically, my project uh, that I love called the Radiohead Project. We do have a date for the new year, which is February 9th. We'll be playing at the Paris Cat Jazz Club and we'll be doing a lot more exciting shows in the new year. So we hope that we'll see you at one of them. It's, it's my favorite project that we do. It's so much fun. Great. Okay. Well, thank you for letting us know where we can find your music and mm. thank you for telling us about where we can go and see you live. Um, but besides that, so lovely having you on it's the show. Been a joy. It really has. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that. I've just really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you more in so many aspects of your life, but mm. particularly music and particularly your passion for jazz and the craft. I hope that anyone who's listening to this and still is with us has found parts of this helpful and it's been a joy talking to you I'm so excited for this podcast the topics that you cover especially with age I think it's something that's on everyone's mind I think so and needs to be talked about more so I really appreciate you having this platform for people to speak to it Thank you for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so looking forward to releasing this episode and hearing what people have to say about our conversation. Um, but besides that, thank you for being really present with me today in this conversation. And um, I'll speak to you next time. Thanks, Blair. See ya. So that brings us to the end of episode three. I hope you've enjoyed the insightful conversation Amelia and I had about the jazz space in Australia and this evolving practice that young musicians have in this style of music that's been around for such a long time and is still so important and relevant these days. And I loved how we could talk about debunking the stereotypes around who creates and listens to jazz, you know, and how it's not just elevator music or background music, but it actually takes years of experience and dedication to be able to get up on stage and improvise a set of music, you know, trusting your gut and having this back and forth conversation with your band and the musicians around you, like Amelia was talking about. It was so interesting how COVID impacted Amelia and helped her regroup on why she loved music in the first place and how she wants to carry that forward in her career and how awesome were her recommendations from the classic old school jazz musicians who have that passion and that soul from many, many years ago, spanning to just some musicians that she really loves and how their voice works and how their music is crafted. So I'm so going to be listening to 
those artists that she's mentioned and engage with that practice of actively listening so I can really soak in that talent and experience that they've worked so hard for to be able to create the music and the art that they do. And of course, this ongoing discussion about being in your mid-twenties and the pressure and expectation around being in that stage of life and all that we're meant to achieve. As we know, make sure to follow the podcast Instagram and Facebook page or chuck the show an email at presentlypodcast.contact at gmail.com if you have any cool ideas for future episodes. And don't forget to rate the show. I'm so appreciative of the love I've received on different platforms and it makes me feel really great that hopefully you listeners are enjoying the conversations that we're having. But like I announced a few weeks ago, the show is now accessible on Apple Podcasts as well. And so feel free to rate the show on that and you can actually write reviews and feedback on the platform, which I would love to see. So feel free to show the love in any way you can to help the show grow and progress and reach new listeners. Like always, thanks for staying present in this moment with me. And yes, I'd like to thank myself for creating this platform so we can have these important, interesting conversations like we did with Amelia here today. Please remember to stay present, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.